2: Dith Gwil Dawi Hapus. Happy St David's Day and a particularly happy St David's Day to Hannah and Jack who are here in the podcast studio. Hello.
1: Hello. And
2: uh, have you been celebrating St David's Day in any way, Hannah?
1: Yes, we've had all the Welsh cakes in our um, office upstairs.
2: I'm very, very pleased to hear it. And hello and welcome listeners to the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Countryfile magazine. My name is Fergus Collins, I'm the host of the podcast, and you can contact me on editor at countryfile.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I'm here in the studio this time, not out in the wilds, recording the intro, and I'm here with Jack and Hannah, obviously. lovely to see you both, and we'll have a chat a little bit later about um, this forthcoming adventure in the countryside. Um, We're well into our 11th season of the podcast, where we're listening to Voices of the Countryside, whether the wild songs of nature or the wise words of people who spend their lives outdoors. And in this episode, episode eight, I got to enjoy insight into the world of mountain biking through our very special guest, Tom Marvin from Bike Radar. Now, Bike Radar is the hub for cycling news, reviews and features. And Tom spends much of his time testing new bikes in the Forest of Dean, which is where we went to explore the wonders of e-bikes, well, essentially these are pedal bikes with motors that assist you around the place, which is very welcome for an old chap like me. And I was lucky enough to have podcast producer Jack, who's also here beside me, along for the ride to ensure we could record as we rode. It was it was a really brilliant adventure and a first for the podcast. And here's how we got on. And I'm pedaling down this forest track, and with me is Tom Marvin from Bike Radar. Good morning, so, Fergus. Good morning. This is amazing. We're mic's up bikes on bikes
3: and uh, not ordinary bikes where, where have you brought me here um so we're in the forest of dean uh, and we just set off from uh, the canop cycle center uh, which is uh, from a cycling perspective possibly the the main area of the forest of dean uh, where one would go mountain biking from um but we're going to go on a About a 20-kilometre loop um, around this sort of portion of the forest, taking a few different sites. I'm delighted. I mean, this is amazing. It's a
2: freezing cold day, I've got to say that for a start. Just (laughs) to give a picture to the listeners. It's depths of winter, and we've had some sunny days of late, but this is one of those really hard, cold winter's days. Thank you for providing gloves and uh, (laughs) coffee. Um, uh, I've got my hood up already, so it is definitely cold. Making our lives easier is... Well, you, you furnished furnished us with electric well, e-bikes. This is the most amazing thing. I can't believe that I've uh, put my foot to the pedal and suddenly I'm speeding off. And I mean, I know lots of people listening go, "Oh God!" Everyone everyone cycles e-bikes these days, but for me, this is a completely new experience. Yeah, and uh, it's
3: elevated cycling to a totally different, I feel like I'm not making any effort. Uh, yeah, they, they really change cycling, I think in many different ways. They have a lot of detractors, perhaps, within sort of the core cycling community. Oh, but... really, you've got to pedal to get you, to earn your... Earn your turns. That's a morning. From an accessibility point of view, certainly having some pedal assistance makes a massive difference. As you say, like it feels so different to riding a normal bike, but... It's, it's a great way of seeing the countryside, well, really.
2: goodness me, I sort of feel like I'm not having to make any effort. so as we cycle past all these oak trees, and I know we can't hear an awful lot going on, but I'm, I just feel a lot more able to just take in my surroundings, and I don't know, I, I feel really relaxed. I, think, I mean, I love cycling, but I tend to see it as a sort of getting from A to B, as a almost commuting element of my life, and not a particularly enjoyable leisure activity as I go over some, some bumps in the road here. But uh, I agree, I think there's probably a lot of
3: people would would enjoy this sort of way of exploring without... Uh... I think the nice thing about bikes for this sort of thing is that, you know, like I, I'll go for walks quite often, but, you know, you, you're limited in, in range often when you're walking. Yeah. Whereas with a bike, I, I think you still go slow enough to sort of appreciate you Know the trees, and you know, you can still hear the birds, and and you might still spot some wild boar or some deer. I'm hoping we'll see some. Well, fingers crossed, but um, you can still sort of cover you know anything from 15 to 50k very easily, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, you see, you see a lot, but you're not going so fast that you miss things. So, you you work for a bike magazine, bike brand, I suppose they call it. Uh,
2: and you're quite a serious reviewer of, or a very serious reviewer of bikes. But I mean, you, you're you're out
3: here a lot. Yeah, I gather. Um, I come to the Forest of Dean. Ooh, that's my GPS. Just uh, telling us we're going to take a take Are, a right in a second. You're properly teched up. <laughs> well, it's mostly because I'm very good at getting lost, so I need <laughs> technology to help me guide so, the
2: way. So my screen says we're, we're, we're doing 12k at the moment.
3: Yeah, 12k
2: an hour. So that's that's impressive. I'm hardly. I'm, for I'm the of breath
3: um, walking at 1k an hour. Yeah, for the amount of effort we're putting in at the moment, we're, we're doing pretty well speed-wise. These will give us assistance up to 25 kilometers an hour. Oh, um, and then the assistant cuts out for Legal reasons. Um, oh, really? So also... we could go faster? we can go faster. We, we might have to because we've gone the wrong way already. Oh, really? Excellent. Okay. So... <laughs> done <in> the forest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. get lost in the forest. So yeah, we'll do a little a U-turn song. here. Come back on ourselves and. Uh... Oh, excellent. Well, good. I'm going glad back to... the other way. But it's not just me who gets lost, eh, Jack?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I almost collided with you. Oh, I don't want to end up in that muddy ditch. So I kind of want to find out a little bit more from you about the tech of e-bikes, but also ask you as a voice of the cycling, mm. you know, this is our voices of the Countryside series. and We haven't had a cyclist, a biker. I
3: mean, what do you call yourself? I guess I would call myself a mountain biker. Mountain biker. That's my sort of predominant sort of activity on a, on a bike is, is mountain biking. I is guess I might also call myself a gravel cyclist from time to time. A which gravel is a, cyclist. Yeah, it's a slightly different sort of genre uh, yeah. uh, of cycling. And I guess what we're doing today, would be could be described as a gravel ride. So we're taking in non-technical but off tarmac tracks around a forest. And quite often I might do this on on a gravel bike, which basically looks like a, a road racing bike, but it's got fatter tyres with some knobs on it for grip um, and gears, which are slightly easier. It, to me, mountain biking is quite a extreme
2: looks quite dangerous at times you're going down fast down these sort of clues in the title mountain but (laughs) you're going through sort of wooded trails with jumps
3: and is that right do you do a lot of that sort of yeah i guess for me the the reason i do it is for the adrenaline side of it as well as i guess the fitness as well yeah, most of the time when I'm out in the woods it's, it's to try and find uh, narrow tracks, which we would call single track, which, yeah, twists and turns through the trees. It uh, goes over rocks and roots uh, and jumps. Sometimes the goal is to ride it as fast as possible. Sometimes the goal is to ride it as clean as possible, you know, in a smooth manner. But for the most part, it's a really sociable activity for yeah. me, yeah. So, I mean, most of my friends and most of, uh, you know, a large portion of my social life is based around pedaling bikes. You're a community who use the countryside
2: And perhaps don't get traditional countryside users, horse riding and walking and and other sort of country pursuits tend not
3: to include cycling, but it's a big community, I imagine. Yeah, and I mean, certainly the past two years it's grown massively, but you know, I'd say I've been mountain biking for 20 years, the last 10 years has seen a huge growth and, and, and in particular the last sort of few years and from an increasingly diverse background as well you know we sort of mentioned that we're on e-bikes today assisted bikes that only helps with that um, diversity and, and sort of inclusivity of the sport because yeah. it opens up the countryside and mountain biking to a lot more people um, just makes it a bit easier but yeah, we're, we're a diverse but you know, very inclusive group. You, you always say hello to other people you see out and about. Yeah. Hi there. Good morning, good morning. Right on cue. Right on cue. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great way to sort of get out into the countryside. And
2: how many people would you say nationally in the UK regularly
3: get out onto, on these off-road trails? That's, that's difficult to say. It wouldn't surprise me if there was over a million active mountain bikers in the UK. Really? Gosh, but that's... I, that's I, a it big really wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. You know, mountain biking happens all over the UK, but there are certain hotspots. Some of those would be this region in now South Wales through to the Forest of Dean. Um, yeah. The Surrey Hills is, is a huge area. area but some of the most important ones include areas of the Scottish borders. Uh, there's a forest called Glentress. And... That is probably the, I, I think it's probably the most visited cycling sort of spot in the UK, or certainly one of the most. And it, it's one of the biggest tourist attractions in Scotland, full stop. Really, the just n- for the cycling? Hundreds of thousands of people every yeah. year go to this place to ride a mountain bike. So there's a huge world out there.
2: So this e-bike, I mean, it's, you mentioned fat tires, these are really, these are the fattest tires I've ever <laughs> been on like i'm on a tractor <laughs> obviously for stability and on these paths it's comfy ride but how do they how does this work then pedal
3: assisted there is legislation around how e-bikes are legally allowed to sort of operate but basically it's it's a pedelec it, the motor pedelec, only pedelec yeah it just wants to go down a steepish hill think, yeah so. carefully it's a little bit um gravelly yeah. okay I'm but gorgeous. um if you come, if I come off, you'll know it. <laughs> yeah, I feel responsible. Uh, <laughs> we've got hydraulic disc brakes, like you get on your car, though. So plenty yeah. of power. Yes, um, they're not little sort of
2: uh, pads that I have on my my road bike.
3: No, the braking surface is sort of central in the wheel, which keeps it away from a lot of the mud and water that quite t- uh, traditionally right, sort okay, of compromises that's... braking performance. Yeah, we're going to turn left just here as well. So just heading down now, swinging past a load of conifers.
0: My on.
2: hands are cold. <laughs> yeah, my hands are pretty chilly. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be quite an interesting uh, defrosting.
3: So, so, yeah, the, the, the motor so is a pedelec, So it only provides assistance when you're pedaling. And it provides, depending on like, the mode you're in, it provides a, a, a percentage extra of, of power. So yeah. say you're putting in 100 watts of power from your, through your legs, this might provide an additional 100 watts. Or right. it might provide an additional 200 watts. It's not allowed to provide more than 250 extra watts, otherwise, and that's the legal limit. Otherwise, you become a scooter. Otherwise, it becomes a taxable and MOTable vehicle. Oh, really? Especially oh, if it. Really. And same with the throttle. So there's no throttles. Right. It cuts out at 25 kilometres <laughs> an hour. At that point, you're on your own. So. So if you go too fast. You too get fast, peel-lined. then you've got, you got to put a lot of effort in.
2: <laughs> okay, so it has an inbuilt punishment factor. This <laughs> <life>. <laughs> yes. I should say that Jack is with us today as well. Jack, not mic'd up, but you have to bellow really loud. But it's very nice to have you here doing the technical. We didn't record the bit where I initially got on and it went whoosh as I pedalled it. And I was sort of had this elation
3: of how have I spent 50 years of my life and not had that experience? <laughs> well, um, we've got you in, I think. What mode are we in here? We're in the trail mode. Um, So this is the middle of three that Specialized provide on their system. Um, There are a number of different e-bike systems. Bosch, um, Specialized, which is actually via a company called Bros, Yamaha do one, and Shimano, who make all the gears. They also have a motor. So if we put you on to... um... Turbo, turbo mode. Maybe we'll get that sort of um, initial experience once again as you <laughs> oh zoom off. God. I'm like actually going to fall off there. Be careful. <laughs> oh, God.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's turbo. Whoa. Yeah, that's turbo. That's brilliant. Amazing. I'm going uphill now, and I'm not putting any effort. Just superb superb why would you ever use your legs again
3: <laughs> brilliant in in defense in defense of cyclists to use e-bikes I, I will just say that you can put effort in with an e-bike it's a yeah. it's a useful tool for as i say making life a little bit easier if you want it but you can i i, I went on a, a launch of a new electric mountain bike um a couple of years ago in the south of france and it was the hardest day cycling I've ever done. It was so physical because we, we used the technology and, and, and the motor to get up tracks that you wouldn't even consider walking up at times. Oh, really? So um, steep. So oh. steep. And, and the motor, as I say, cuts out a certain amount of power. And you start to put a lot of effort in sometimes. So they're, they're a great way of getting out, but you can, you know, they, they have a reputation for just being for, you know, lazy people in the mountain yeah. biking turns. And, I assure you, it's not entirely like that. Is there like a that. certain
2: amount of snobbery amongst them? There hardcore, can be. Yeah, there really can interesting. be. Interesting,
3: <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, mind, I don't
2: mind that. I don't mind no. being scorned at <laughs> I'm flying through these trees. I mean, I'm on one trail now. Can I set it a lower one so I'm, I'm making yep. more? So no, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah,
3: no. um, but, yeah, yeah in, in terms of cost, these, these ones, uh, these are £3,100 on the RRP. Okay. so these aren't particularly cheap. They're certainly... Far from the top end, um, you, you, you can spend twelve thousand pounds on an electric mountain bike if okay. you really want to you 're unlikely to find many below say fifteen to £1,800 i reckon no. uh, it 's like an electric car, like the cost is really in the batteries and the motor yeah generally speaking, for a like for like human powered bike and, a, and an, an electric one you 're looking at a thousand pounds extra all these um, all along here, you can see where the wild boar have rippled in the. I think um, a lot of the mountain bike tracks that people ride, there's obviously the the, the man-made tracks that have been put in place by, um, you know, with the, with the Forestry Commission and, you know, these yeah. are like the, the official tracks. There's also uh, a lot of tracks that are kind of built on a more ad hoc basis, which are, um, I guess, strictly speaking, not 100%. I don't know. Not official. Not official. Okay. We won't talk about the. We won't activity. talk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're they they're known about and they're yeah. they're accepted and they're they're a part of it all. Um, yeah, there's there's two things that really damage mountain bikers' tracks in the forest: motocross bikes, yeah, and wild boar. Ah. And you can come across, and all of a sudden, you have um, a. Uh, it's almost like the whole ground has just been completely churned up, and it's because the family of boar have come through. Brutal away, yeah. I can yeah. see it. I mean, it's very visible, in we This is a place
2: uh, along the verges here on a warmer days, but perhaps in February we see adders.
3: I've seen adders here. Yeah. Basking. So I won't mind doing a bit of basking right now in the sun. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Right, I might put it into turbo mode here. Oh, I can't.
2: My my finger's too numb. (laughs) Jack, that was quite heroic. Oh, so here we are, new fancy view. Yeah, it's a long time since I've been here. It's a great viewpoint, though.
3: Would you like a cup of coffee? hell yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping that would meet with approval. Yeah.
2: So, um, this is, well, this is new fancy view. You've obviously cycled up here before. It's only by accident, oh, but right, yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: okay,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, normally this is full of bird, birders, but we're probably at slightly the wrong time of year. Well, there was a linnet going over actually at the moment, that, that bird over there. Oh yeah. So what's that? That's,
3: That's looks... a small finch. Um, okay.
2: And that is, uh, Bird of sort of farmland really, mm-hmm. but it'll be it'll you know be found around the sort of scrubby edges. Not a very common bird these days. Used to be super common. Used to be millions and millions of them. It's probably low millions now in Britain, uh-huh. but, uh, which sounds like a lot, but compared to tens, if not hundreds of millions, it's that nice little bird. So yeah, a long time since I've been here. Uh, this is the watch point for goshawks. So we're looking. I guess this is north towards Cinderford, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah. Cinderford, a little hilltop town in the forest, for those that don't know it. And if we were here, probably e- even like three or four weeks' time, or even today, if it was really sunny and there were a few thermals, we would probably see little specks above some of the distant woods. And if we got our binoculars on them, they would turn out to be buzzards and goshawks doing their display flights. Mm-hmm. And I came here once, and there were about 30 or 40 birds up in the air. And there was lots of disagreement amongst the people here. Like, is that a buzzard? Is that a goshawk? And unfortunately, I was standing by someone who could tell the difference. Cause, uh, but a goshawk is the size of a buzzard. But, as I say, a real sort of punchy bird. How, how big is... I mean, yeah, are, right. we, are we talking... They are really big birds, yeah. I mean, a yeah. goshawk has rounded wings so it can fit through the trees, and so it okay. sort of... It's basically... The only time you really see it soaring is when it's doing its display flights and kind of going, look at me. Uh Uh, Am I not handsome? (laughs) You want to settle down with me sort of thing. (laughs) And they'll go nest in some of these tall trees deep in the the forest. Some of these conifer stands that we can see will have a nice big tree in the middle Mm and they'll nest. And they'll spend the rest of the year... You do see them. I mean, I I lived in in a house in a conifer forest for a while and I saw goshawks quite regularly. But you see the remains of their prey Squirrels, and uh, wood pigeons, and crows, and all sorts of things. So, uh, really impressive bird. Mm-hmm. But what, I don't think we're going to see one today.
3: What else sort of can we can we see? Right if we sort of look at the sort of the trees and the landscape, yeah. What? What kind of things would you be looking at, sort of as, as points of interest in, in what we can see? There's obviously there's pine forests. There's yeah. some deciduous. There's some stuff that's been forested. There's cinderford yeah. down there. Like so this stuff here has been recently cut down here, where you can see there's
2: a big gap between uh, between stands of conifers. Uh-huh. That's growing back with what looks like birch, which is a deciduous tree. Drops its leaves in winter. You can see, but it's the fastest coloniser for some of those clear fell areas. There's a big clear fell mm. up on the up on the hill there. That will fill in really quickly. In fact, the bit beside it is filled in really quickly yep. with, I think it's birch, it may be. Yeah, yeah, it's birch that's just sort of swept in there. It's the first tree to, to make it in and eventually the oaks will come in. Okay, long after we're dead, it'll
3: be a beautiful deciduous woodland again. Right, right to... because the, the coniferous stuff isn't particularly natural around here.
2: It's planted, it's quite square blocks here mm. and it's, you know, Forest of Dean as you can see if it, it's from horizon to horizon it's a very impressive woodland but it is a lot of it is managed for forestry mm. and always has been in fact I think a lot of it was planted or managed
3: I, mean, I, think I, I the don't t- know enough about the history here. the Tudors did they used a lot of forest from here for their ships and they were mm. built sort of down towards Lydney and um, up to Gloucester and stuff on the on the Severn it was a shipbuilding. so you, yeah. had, you had your big forest and you could uh, you yeah could, and obviously they used you know, the charcoal for the iron and smelting yeah. and, and, and stuff like that as well. And my, I did a, a course at university on the management of Scotland's environment. Read a little bit on the Forestry Commission. Obviously it was set up sort of post-World War I, I think. Pre-World War I there was a lot of forestry used for shipbuilding and for all that sort of stuff. And they felt that if there was going to be another war they would need lots of um, fast-grown timber. Um, obviously, so that's why, I guess, the, the FC sort of came into existence was to provide that for what eventually became World War Two. but they ended up using metal, didn't they, for, for their <laughs> ships? So. Yeah. I think it's the FC the, the, the Obviously, the FC had to change its tack a little bit in, in more recent years. A, a lot of the cycling centres, or trail centres, as they're called in mountain biking, are in Forestry Commission places. Obviously, it's it's, it's, you know, it's publicly owned... You know, they have to diversify where they're getting their money from, and they're using a lot of these pine forests for mountain bike trails because I guess they're a lot of them aren't particularly diverse in a, in a natural sort of sense. You know, there's rarely a trail center on an SSSI, for example. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: there are lots of things that will thrive in conifer woodlands. Um, and red squirrels do well, in not, not round here but in other parts of Britain, in conifers, uh, goldcrests, goshawks, lots of things love it, but. If I want a moody walk in dark woodlands, Uh I'll go to a conifer woodland. (laughs) I don't often want a moody walk in dark (laughs) woodlands. I want to be full of, I want to be filled with life and joy. Yeah. So, um, but please do write in if you disagree. (laughs) Editor at (laughs) countryfile.com. That's a bullfinch down there. That little high pitched, Uh red breasted bird. Very, Very beautiful bird.
3: And is it are these rose hips, yeah. the little red looks, berries? Yeah, little, little, little berries. Yeah. Looks
2: like it's been heavily plundered by the birds here, so there's not, uh-huh. not many of them left. But
3: is that a positive sign that yeah, they're, they're being eaten because yeah. of the birds around? Good, 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 good winter forage for
2: the birds. Mm-hmm. It's a finch, I think. Just its song is. I need to check that when I get home, but that's a, it's a big orange finch But I mean, there's lots of finches here, about that big. And it's got a bill, it's got like the strongest jaw muscle. So for a small bill, can, can crush these like cherry stones. It would get through your finger then? It would do a nasty, really nasty bit of work. Huh. Yeah, a bit like pliers. It's all bill. Yeah. Beautiful bird, but really rare. There's just a small population here, but they are seen from here yeah. quite often. So. so this is a super steep hill, which I'm quite nervous about going down. But you just got to go. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that was quite um. So we're doing a bit of a sort of mountain bike trail here. I'm flying behind Tom. Uh, he was flying more confidently. It's easy to get carried away. I can see why you like flying downhill.
3: On that. <laughs> and even from like a um, you know like a very sort of enthusiastic mountain biker perspective, they the benefits include, you know, it's very easy to get up a hill quickly, so you can get more laps of a, a trail done in a, in a set period of time. Or so presumably you could you could switch it off for the times when you want that that for long. Yes. Uh, experience. Now, let me have a look at my map very quickly. Okay. Because as ever again, potentially gone so quite you've wrong. Got, you've actually got a little map on your computer on your on your bike. Now, because I was in the wrong screen setting, it's uh, I've got that missed the junction. So we'll we'll head back the way we just came. Oh right, okay. I would say, curse you! It's uphill, but it doesn't matter, does it? On <laughs> these bikes, it's great. From an ex- sort of an exploring point of view, e-bikes—you know—I say you can do a lot of laps of the hill in a compressed yeah. amount of time. But also, you know, if you're new to an area, often on a, a human-powered bike, if you take a wrong turning up a hill and you find that there's nothing there, it's a real pain because yeah. you've just expended a lot of energy going somewhere which isn't very interesting. Whereas with an e-bike, well. You might not have expended all that energy. So you can, they're a great way to explore like a new riding area. So you put panniers on these bikes and then you can sort of
2: put in a put, put a picnic i mean there's oh. me thinking of the sort of lazy man
3: yeah sort. no totally but these ones do have um all the mounting points at the back of the frame to attach a pannier rack to them if you want you know this is what they're built for going out to the countryside taking on some dirt roads maybe some little narrow tracks if you want as well yeah um, feels, feels and, yeah we're going to tackle anything here. just right here actually oh, okay so more of a grassy
2: track here this is interesting oh, the... The, the, the territory either side of this lane this track is completely
3: it's, like it's been ploughed by wild boar yeah. is this a, is it good for the wildlife to have this variety yeah, of yeah, um... really,
2: that's a good point it really is good to have these open areas and one speciality of the forest in these open areas is a very strange bird called the nightjar which is nocturnal as its name suggests uh-huh I might just hold fire saying anything yep. else if we go down a particularly bumpy. I might get a softer saddle neck if I get a, <laughs> get an <EVA. laughs> You're you're very generously taking the rough the rough route there. Uh. Tom I, uh, I've got the smooth a bit.
3: I feel I feel a slight level of responsibility right now, for not just to <laughs> yeah. you, but Jack as well, whose bike is um yeah. Jack's he, the most precious, most valuable <laughs> yeah. commodity.
2: Um, yeah, night jars love those open spaces, and they have this eerie, strange sort of electronic call called a cheer, uh-huh. which rises on a summer's evening. Really, one of the eeriest things you'll ever hear in nature, but because it's nocturnal and maybe maybe on your night rides next time you're out here on a, on a, like a June evening, uh-huh. listen for something whirring out of the out of the um, out of the forest. It, it's extraordinary. In fact, we've we've got them in a couple of podcasts, and uh, it's it's magic really. But they like they like the glades, and there's quite a few birds that really like. That that like a bit of openness. Yeah. They dart back into the forest for safety, but the open glades tend to have a few more insects, a few more wildflowers, tend to be a bit more
3: biodiverse. So you kind of of need that mix in a forest like this. There's got to be, you know, if there's hundreds or thousands of people rocking up to a, a forest over a weekend, riding bikes and yelping and hollering and having a good time, which is what we do, what impact, you know, what's the negative impact on nature, on birds, on animals, on trees? You know, like, it, it can't all be good, right?
2: Well, it, there is disturbance, definitely. I think in woodland it's not so bad, really. I don't think... I think the biggest problem is um, kind of some some of the more open grasslands where, okay. the, where the soils are really... Um, delicates and lots of wildflowers and insects rely on this sort of very very delicate soil structure and you sometimes can get some bikes and other vehicles which aren't supposed to be on there can, can cause damage but I don't think a huge problem from yelping and and I actually think I've thought about this a lot and I think there's a greater benefit of people coming out and enjoying these places. Uh-huh. Uh, and um cycling into a branch. Uh and just gonna chase the bus. That's alright, we'll go really slow. It's a lovely little doggy. It's alright, you just <laughs> Yeah. It's a very enthusiastic dog that was just wanting to throw himself under a <laughs> For uh, old Jack's got to deal with that um, yeah I, I think the more people who come out and enjoy these places then the more likely they are to protect them if they're ever threatened or yeah. perhaps tell friends about
3: it and so I actually read a, a news story which came out yesterday about a, a scientific sort of report, almost a anthropological report and it said that they'd studied cyclists, mountain bikers, and they found that those who went out regularly did have a, more of a connection to local wildlife and environmental concerns, I guess, because instead of being cooped up in a city and not really realising about whether it's deforestation or forest fires in the US and all this yeah, sort of stuff, that right. actually there was arguably more of a connection to it. So I think that's really logical. I think it
2: makes a lot of sense. Mm. And If, you don't, if you're don't, out enjoying it, You're going to want
3: it to... Want to protect it and, and,
2: yeah. Even if it's just using those paths, it's much more fun, I'm sure, to to cycle in a natural environment than to go through a sort of concrete.
3: There's a growing organisation called Trash Free Trails, which has only sprung up in the last couple of years. Trash Free Trails, okay. Yeah, and that's... It's a cargo (laughs) pass. As sort of the the name suggests, it's a very grassroots, all over the UK, um, litter picking while you're out riding and... Oh, I approve of that, because
2: i i got to say, I, I used to live up on uh, the Blorange Mountain in um, Brecon Beacons, and there was a really lovely, unofficial uh, mountain bike trail that just a few local people had created, but I would go around and pick up the um, mm. energy drinks cans, yeah. which did upset me a bit because obviously they were really enjoying the the, the place, but would leave tons of these things. Yeah, pick up fifty or sixty every month or so. And so that so there is a sort of recognition that
3: that can be a problem. Yeah, it feels like you know you see a lot of the you know the, the I guess influencers or sort of. Moderately famous riders on on social media—they're often now going out and showing the pictures of the cans and yeah, the wrappers okay. that they're picking up. That's good. I think a lot of people would be really pleased to hear that. Yeah, that's
2: that's possibly the only downside I come across.
3: And I say that's that's noticeably increased in the last twelve months, really. I think I think this is—I mean, you know—without over
2: over-egging it. I think this is probably the one thing I would save my money up for. Yeah. Uh, this would change my life for the better. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Really. It really was a total revelation to me. It would make me use the car a lot less as well, just for the little local trips out to beautiful places. Yeah. I've had a few bikes stolen over the years. Yeah. These are obviously high-value Bits of kit. Um, is there a problem with? Could you, I mean, if you cycle out to Woodland believe, leave, chain your bike up, this is something that's going to attract. That'd yeah, be
3: probably the only downside would be. I'd, I'd say that, like, in the, you know, where we parked up today at Peddler Bike Away, uh, I'm, I'm sure it is a risk, but, you know, people you know, when they're going to the cafe, they'll leave their bikes just sort of by the side, and yeah. I've never heard of any issues in, in this sort of area. It's obviously not immune from it, and there yeah. are other forests around which have certainly a much worse reputation. I think if you went out into the middle of the countryside countryside, I'd probably feel fairly fairly happy. Actually, no, there'd just be no one around. There'd be no one around. Certainly, in a, in a city like when I take my, I have an e-bike which I use for getting around town because, ultimately, it's for me, it's a form of transport as as relevant as my my, my as my van is for yeah. getting around. You know, with the, with the motor though, I can carry around five or six kilos of lock without it really even making a dent on, on what it's like to ride the bike. Oh, this is Nags Head as well, is And oh, Here, we've just spotted a no-cycling sign, so ah, we probably okay. won't cycle through there. No, no, I think that's probably... And that will be to stop disturbance of the wildlife. Right. And, uh,
2: mm. and, and you know, there will be some flora in there that would be growing close uh-huh. to the paths, and there'll be... Is there anything
3: we can... I mean, there's some ferns and stuff.
2: This is but... a really... There's a great... So there's a nursery pond here. Uh, I remember as being... So there are places that, how can I say this clearly without stumbling on? Sometimes you find a place in in the wild, out in the countryside, and it's just so full of wildlife. You think this is just unbelievable mm-hmm. miracle of so buzzing with life. The ponds here in my like, early April so full of toads. You can't believe it. Huh. It's like it just becomes like a toad. Well, orgy really. It's yeah. just uh, I thought there's a lot of redwings here with those Scandinavian thrushes. So that high-pitched, uh-huh, that one. Yeah, that's these are redwings. Difficult to see them, but anyway, the ponds here. I just remember sitting by them one time. Just so much bird life, dragonflies, all sorts of things. And it just felt like you get a real sense of nature's in control, not humans, mm. and that's a nice feeling sometimes. Mm. Look at the lichens, or the lichen on the end of the branches here. So the sort of fluffy, kind of greenish, mm. like cotton wool almost. It's quite fronds. Of, that's a sign that it's really good quality air up here. Oh, it yeah. It doesn't, doesn't survive in heavily polluted air. Okay. You've so, very quickly got to the end of my knowledge <laughs> of lichens there. Um, I mean, there's some that lives on live. It's just the audio lichen's harder to catch. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> we might have to leave a mic by some lichen for like 100 years
3: and then <laughs> hear it gradually <laughs> crawl it. So this is one of the old uh, Colford Junction, which is, there's a lot of tramways and railway lines in, in the Forest of Dean to transport all the raw materials around. So a lot of like the family cycle trails and the paths that still exist are sort of part of that old industrial heritage. Oh, there might be old train tracks or old exactly tram yeah. routes and things. Yeah, and you can still see a lot of old um, cuttings and uh, bridges over little valleys and stuff around as well, yeah, if you yeah. if you know where to look. It's a nice little wooded.
2: I guess this is the nature reserve to our left here, but a nice little wo- lovely stream through the forest. Yeah. Now we sort of start hill start which I never <laughs> never achieve on a bike. Might not. Why so, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. So, so it's just—it's telling me how much effort it's putting in. Yeah. Compared to my effort, which is gratifying to see, it. The...
3: <laughs> so if we go around to the left. left, okay. So this is the bottom of one of the, well, a few of the single tracks that... Oh, through here? So you. So I'll be coming down off these and then we'll loop back up on the fire road So what back I... to the top of the hill. What I can
2: see here are just very thin paths through trees, zigzagging through quite dense forest. So you've got to have your wits about you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's quite a nice challenge. So while I... Yeah, there's a lot of ducking and dodging and... The obvious question, which I haven't asked yet, is that, have you come
3: off, do you come off regularly? Do you get injured at all? Uh, Yeah, I mean, crashing's sort of an inevitable part of the sport. You say that so casually. (laughs) Most of the time it's fine. Like a lot of the time it's surprisingly how unharmed one gets. Yeah. Personally, (laughs) I've never, I've not broken bones. Oh, but good. it's not uncommon. The collarbones are common, the classic. Because you come off and land on you your of shoulders. You come off and you put your hands out. Oh, right, okay, and the jars up your yeah. arms. Um, the worst... The worst visually I've had, I cut my arm open uh, on a trail in Andorra on the first trail I'd ridden on a trip. would <laughs> literally ridden 200 metres yeah. on, like, a three-day trip to Andorra and split my arm open, which... which... Right, caused a lot of blood. Well, how did uh, that happen? Did you hit a tree or something? Yeah, yeah, I was just riding down a single track like one of those narrow tracks and I scuffed past the tree. I hadn't really, like I hit the tree but I didn't crash or fall off and didn't really think much of it yeah. um, and stopped a few hundred meters further down to chat to the guy I was riding with. And he was like, oh, what was it? You know, how did you find it? He, he, was, he was a local, I was like, oh, it was amazing. He was I oh, scuffed this tree and sort of looked down and realized that my glove was filling with blood. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and that required uh, internal stitching and then 14 external stitches. Oh, God, so <laughs> which you ripped, you was ripped into quite a large Quite a good one. Vein then or something. Yeah. yeah, so I might put it into turbo here. Oh, God, it. Uh, on the hand- handlebar control. Oh. Yeah, and then oh, down gotcha. into a nice and low gear. Yeah, with your thumb. Oh, gotcha.
2: Well, it's different.
3: And then we'll just try and spin our way yeah, up. Yeah, okay.
2: Are we good? Yeah, yeah, good. I mean, it's still hard work. But go on, Jack. Yes, Jack's Jack. Just stormed by,
3: flying up there. I mean, yeah. had to put effort in there, but I'd never have got up there without the. It's pretty painful on a normal bike that bit of help Yeah. I'm just showing you off. In terms of actual long-term injury, the way I separated my shoulder once a few years ago, where I basically shoulder barged a tree, uh, and that took six months before I could ride a bike again. Oh. Which in the context of my job isn't, isn't no. the best. <laughs> yeah, it basically damages the tendons and ligaments in your shoulder, and they, it takes a lot longer to recover than a broken bone usually. But that's oh, all part of the to... <laughs> So we are Quarren now a quarry. in a quarry.
2: Yeah. Now we're surrounded by a uh, big shifting machinery, and it is a. There's an old caravan here.
3: That's a rusty equipment. Is this, this isn't used, is still in use? It's still in operation. Yet. So oh. I've come up here when there've been, you know, there's there's people here moving stones around, um, blasting very occasionally. Um, It doesn't, it's probably not the most productive quarry in the world. (laughs) Well, the the machinery looks,
2: the teleporter and the uh, the cat digger don't look uh, in the best of health.
3: (laughs) The the three wheel (laughs) teleporter, yeah, which did have four wheels once. But more interesting, we we haven't seen it, but down at the bottom of the hill is uh, a working coal mine still. And quite often we'll cycle through there and there'll be guys pulling out coal from underneath this hill right here still which is really, I think it's really, That's incredible. you just don't think, you know, this is like micro-mining, you know, mining on a tiny scale, yeah. but it's still obviously relevant and, and, and happening. Uh, and there's the sounds of red wings.
2: In fact, there's one right at the top of the tree. If you want to see a red wing, in your, which is a little Scandinavian thrush, right at the top of that pine tree, there's a oh, bird yeah. right there. Yeah just making a sort of weird, almost like a chicken's cluck type. Yeah.
3: This looks like an old quarry. It's a little, uh, one of the little tracks down the hill. Oh, okay. You'd go down there, would you? Yeah, yeah, so just roll into so the that, top of that. That's um, vertical. <laughs> near, near enough. Almost.
2: <laughs> You'd go down there?
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just sort of rolling gently at sort of a walking pace and get your front wheels over the roots, aim for the bottom, look where you want to go, off the brakes, and you'd roll into that and then yeah. brake towards the bottom. And right, because that is, I mean, that's, oh, what's that, four metres?
2: Yeah. Almost sheer drop down. Okay, it's not totally sheer, but it's nearest. The... You'd pick up speed down yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like flying through thin air, you'd pick up speed. <laughs> Uh, that's impressive. I can see the bike marks at the bottom, so yeah. you've, you've done this one. But I'm not going, yeah, to, yeah, I'm yeah. going to see see. Will you do it today for us? Our... This is a very nice broad path. So, if you wanted just to have a sort of gentle ride, there are loads of these
3: big, broad paths in the forest, aren't there? But... These go all over the forest. Yeah, so it's an amazing, um, yeah, a resource and, and way of seeing it, and yeah. Cycling past great
2: stacks of felled timber. There's
3: a real—that's fantastic smell of sawn wood. Love that smell. I guess it's sort of easy to forget that, like this is commercial forestry. A lot of this, and yes, yeah, it's still a worked landscape. Within, it? you know, within sort of like cycling culture or mountain bike culture, you know, there's a lot of these commercial forests have trails in them, like these ones. And, you know, when the foresters come along and and chop the trees because they're of that age, people say, oh, you know, it's not fair why they're doing it here and all this sort of stuff. And I guess you have to remember that they're here for commercial reasons first. Yeah. yeah. And there is a time that they need to be cut.
2: But Yes, I I think that's an important point, that actually it's pretty good of them to create the trails really mm. um, and I think there should be You kind of needs
3: goodwill on all sides but uh, yeah and there's certainly you know there's, there's areas now where they're recognising even like unofficial trails foresters are being asked to be a bit more mindful of the tracks that have been built there and there's some more. Obviously, we've been uh, trail maintenance in progress here, so they'll be spending, they spend a lot of money in these places maintaining and building new tracks for the cyclists because of the- Wow, it's absolutely riddled with cyclists. Yep. There's a man back there with a sort of,
2: looked like he was truffle hunting. <laughs> was, he was pointing out fungi to his dogs. I don't <laughs> quite know what was going on there. He was twirling his stick as if it was some sort of fight. A little martial so, arts. Yeah, fighting stick.
3: I wonder if he'd noticed this. <laughs> oh, well, he,
2: I was wondering whether he might turn around and uh, take us out with his massive stick, but Curious characters in the forest of Dean. <laughs> yes. Chapter 17. <laughs> the thing is, this what's this done to this has done to me, Tom, is possibly killed my enjoyment of normal cycling.
3: <laughs> Which it's, it's, is a good it's...
2: thing really, you know.
3: Yeah, you know, no, I. I often really, like, uh, I, I don't test many e-bikes because they're fun. Yeah. They're a really good to ride, but then I, I have to test normal bikes. And it, certainly the first couple of rides back on a normal bike, and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Why am I, bot- Why am I doing this? this I, don't, lactic I don't have acid to bottom. do this.
2: Yeah. yeah. I hate jumping in the car to go and watch wildlife. It feels wrong in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless... You know, I do it because if I don't do it, I will feel miserable. But this would, you know, I could easily get, some 10 miles away. Oh, yeah. No problem. Yeah, and you'd see stuff along the way as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah. Yeah, I could go on, I wouldn't have to go on roads. Could take some nice, interesting routes through the Brecon Beacons. And yeah, I think I've seen more of the Forest of Dean. In the last three hours than I've done in 30 years of visiting.
3: Mm. So this is, um, these blue signs are the official trails in the Forest of Dean. This uh, one's called Verderers, which is like uh, one step up from the family trail. So a bit of single track.
2: Right, okay. And
3: they're just like really good fun and bring a lot of people to the forest really. So those are durable for most abilities. Yeah, I mean, most people bit. could sort of, rattle, we, we could go and rattle down it if you want. Yeah, shall we? We could do what a section of it, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it be fun. A little challenge at the end, Jack. Oh, yeah. So we're gonna hit, like, um, there'll be some bermed corners. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And some nice little, like, little rolls and stuff, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fun. yeah.
2: Oh, this is fun. Yeah, this is great. It's a nice, smooth downhill. Nothing I would attempt on my own bike ever. Whoa. This is wonderful. This is... Absolute joy of cycling. Not to difficult or dangerous but there's a big bank turn coming up so you get up onto it and then it flings you down up and around and we're descending rapidly Tom is disappearing into the distance So as your first taste of single track focus do you enjoy it? Yeah I loved that I absolutely <laughs> loved it, yeah I would do that again Yeah, because uh, you, you just have to focus on it completely um, I mean I do anyway but it, and it takes you out of yourself. Again, it's a great way of being in the moment and doing something exciting. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about nature at all. I was just thinking <laughs> about this is a lovely, blissful experience of speed and a little bit of skill, but mostly
3: just whizzing downhill yeah. through the woods. Yeah, this is sort of what we, well, a lot of us do it for, really, is that, yeah. that feeling of, uh, yeah, a uh, bit of adrenaline, a uh, bit of...
2: I totally yeah. get it, I totally get it. Uh, I think having an e-bike to get to the top is a great way of... I not think that's the thing that would just daunt me is pedaling back up to do it again, but now yeah. I, I... Yeah, wonderful. Well, maybe a convert. I think i well, more than a convert. Probably be an irritating convert now and I'll be bugging you the whole time. With...
3: Excellent, yeah. <laughs> So, I think we'll probably go down here. Down. So should be a bit naughty and do one more bit of single track. Yeah. Do this last little bit here, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is, it's called Launch Pad, and it was built for, originally it was built for like quad cycles for people with disabilities who can't ride a normal bike. Yeah. So they'll like, uplift them up here, so they can like, ride down, which is amazing. Obviously it's open to regular cyclists, but it's basically just a rolling track all the way down the hill from up there. And it's the one track with the most injuries on. Really? Because Thank you for taking us here. You can go so fast on here. It's very easy to pick up very off-speed, you know what I mean. Okay, so. i
2: got to hit, uh, wrong. Potted around oh, there. Jack's flying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That's kid, isn't it? Oh. Well then, bye. Oh. Nice one, Jack. That was good. Uh, lots of thank yous there. You've opened up a whole new world of how to enjoy the countryside. You've also been, like, a great advocate for oh. cyclists. I'm glad you've enjoyed um, it. Uh, uh, honestly it's it's sort of I'm, I'm buzzing great uh, my bum isn't buzzing <laughs> but I'm buzzing I've seen the forest a yeah. lot of the forest never managed to cover this distance and just a really lovely way of getting around the countryside without being in a car
3: yeah and you know there's so many elements you know you, yeah. you can do what we've done today like a real nice pedal around the forest and have a look around And you can take it to get in as much adrenaline as you want and or yeah. tone it down as, as little as you want and yeah, it's a, it's a great way, I think. And yeah. you know, as long as everyone has, like, mutual respect for everyone else in the current side, you know, there's no harm in, in doing it by a horse or on foot or on bike. I think it's, it's, it's great. really great.
2: Well, I hope we can put e-bikes on expenses because Jack and I are going to get some. Oh,
1: really
2: That's yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Well, thanks, Tom. Yeah. Brilliant.
3: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Let's thanks do this again sometime. 100%.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Well, what an absolutely wonderful adventure that was. And a huge thanks, as I said there, to Tom from Bike Radar for taking me out and taking out Jack. Jack, Jack's here. I am. Um, How did you find that? Because the trouble was, it was all very well, me and Tom cycling along, chatting, but listeners won't know that behind us, ghosting along like a wraith through the trees on his e-bike was, was Jack.
0: I was sneaking behind you the whole time. <laughs> uh, I, I had a brilliant time. I mean, in a way, I had quite an easy job of just cycling behind making sure everything it was going fine but it really it changed it it's, it really changed my view on cycling and a bike so like it sounds really over like enthusiastic and no top, i don't think but. you can be over enthusiastic on this issue and i feel very
2: sorry that hannah that you weren't weren't with us because um it was quite a transformative kind of. <laughs> it's right? very bonding actually we've bonded very well um but you said you did nothing or you, you had an easy time. But actually, I think that was quite a technical challenge getting, because we were going quite fast, 25 kilometers an hour. And we didn't get the sort of wind sound in the in the mics. So you, you, that was a pretty clever uh, cunning.
0: Yeah, we lucked out that it was a slightly less windy day. Um, and I think, yeah, we managed to sort of prep it so that the artificial wind, I guess, created by the, the speed <laughs> by, on by, turbo by, mode. By the guest, <laughs> 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 the, 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 that wind didn't affect it, but it, it's come out pretty well. I was I was quite impressed. Um, but oh, yeah, I, I had
2: a great day, all round good. It was good, and and you know, it, it didn't come up in the podcast. But actually, Jack quite often would speed ahead up the hills doing wheelies uh, quite dangerously i thought um and and we were plodding behind unintentional wheelies <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> much fun hannah uh, i'm sorry yeah, as i say i'm sorry you went there but we were we, are you there'll uh, be other times uh, do you like cycling are you
1: i a... absolutely love cycling Do you? Okay. and my um my dad is a cycling proficiency instructor so we're quite a big cycling family he's like the most keen out of all of us. But it's such a lovely way of being able to explore the countryside with that sort of sense of speed, not feeling as though you're trudging along and getting to places that are further away and then maybe having a walk from there rather than having...
2: Yeah, that's that's also an important thing is the not driving. This gives you a range. I don't remember quite, a
0: 20, 30 miles range, I think, some of these, depends on how big the battery is. I mean, I think uh, on the one I was riding... I cannot tell you the model or anything. Um, I think it wasn't meant to be rattled as quickly down one of the runs as I took it. No, Tom's quite worried about <laughs> how, you were, how you were treating it. Actually, <laughs> but uh, I think my one, considering I've been, I was like flicking between different modes up into turbo a couple of times. I think there was the battery had about it was sort of a typical battery symbol with five blocks on, and I think by the end of the day it'd gone down by one. And oh, so we'd done quite going... a sizable ride, I would say. Whereas with this we did the whole ride I had a massive bag backpack on my back as well and everything like that and at the end of the day it was I still felt pretty fresh and it felt it felt really nice there, there was no sort of downside to it also it sort of made me think when we got back to the cafe
2: we ordered three slices <laughs> I mean just gigantic slices of cake and then we were halfway through eating thinking we haven't done enough work to justify this massive pile of chocolate and cream and all on all the various sort of sweet things that we had but it certainly was quite a nice feeling not to be utterly
0: exhausted they are pricey i think that that would be if yeah. there's a downside the the cost is the downside like the the benefits i think of having an e-bike not only for getting people out more but for environmental reasons i think is pretty big i think you could reduce car usage if people had electric bikes um but i think just at the moment it is the cost of it is just too steep i mean i even on a like, sort of a side note personally my family my, uh, i know my grandparents are going on a holiday soon and they always enjoyed bicycle riding but they've got sort of to that age now where it is a bit more of a struggle to ride a normal bike and to go far so i said to them why don't you go there where you're going and try and hire an e-bike because hiring it out is there's going to be a cost but it's not buying one and you'll probably find actually that sort of uh, distance you could get before, or that enjoyability could come back because you are being assisted by it. It's not cheating. You still have to put effort in, but you'll be enabled to sort of relive what you used to be able to do. That's a lovely
2: sentiment. I like it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, brilliant. So um, that was a really successful, active podcast. I mean, I'm much more of a mutual and a general dawdler, but. Uh, it it's sort of made me think about a listener letter that we've had in. And um, I wonder Hannah if you would delve into the Well, it's right on the surface of the blogcast postback. <laughs> I've brought it to the top.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so
0: exactly. Easy access. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: pick it off. So we have a nice letter here from Stuart Green. I have started to listen to your podcast over the last couple of weeks and have really enjoyed it. I normally play them in the car on my commute to work as a teacher in Bradford. I particularly love how it transports me to the wild places in Britain and engaging people and wildlife you interact with on the way. One of my hobbies is trail or fell running, particularly in the Peak District where I live. I love nothing more than choosing a route on the local moors and spending a morning or afternoon on a mini-adventure. It is an extremely mindful experience when running in the moors. You can't think of anything apart from the next footstep, else you could end up falling head over heels into a bog. This, as well as being in nature, is why I enjoy it so much. The reason why I'm emailing is to suggest that trail or fell running could be the main feature of one of your podcasts, and I am more than happy to help with this.
2: Fantastic. Um... Although that fills me with a certain trepidation. <laughs> I might have to step back from volunteering for that only because I'm not, I, I can't imagine I could talk and run at the same time. So we'd have, probably have to interview or, or we'd have to put a lapel mic on Stuart and send him out and then interview him when he got back.
0: You're on an e bike next to him. Well,
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I could only keep up with an e bike, I suppose, but uh, a really good idea. And I think it is definitely part of that. For lots of people do it, and I know we've we've actually had a couple of features in the magazine of people who run, they run off sort of tarmac paths, and there's some great joy about. I think you can buy certain footwear that really allows you to connect with the the ground you're running on, so you get that connection to the countryside, and they have great wildlife experiences, probably because you just sort of surprise creatures as you're running through the woods and. Uh, Again, another way of seeing and exploring the wild. So thank you, Stuart. We'd definitely be interested and we will try and sort something out, I hope. Please do send us other ideas for podcasts. We can't promise to fulfil them all, but it just gives us some extra inspiration for places to go and things to do. We've got lots of ideas, but we can always do with more input. So just as a reminder, my email address, editor at countryfile.com.
0: And before we go, I have... Our sound of the week this week, that's from your friend of mine, Tim Partridge, Uh, and this one is the seashore.
2: Thank you, Tim. Brilliant. That's lovely. Very evocative sounds of waves. That's in Dorset, on the Dorset coast, I think. sent us the sound of the sea in your part of the world. We love to have these little sound postcards sent in to us. And it can be anything. I mean, we're just coming into spring now. So wonderful time of birdsong. I can't get enough birdsong, so do send, send it in. We'll all be out recording, and hopefully we'll have some treats of our own. But for now, from this bike cast it's been been really
0: great (laughs) really great (laughs) i'm sorry should we just take a break what should we spoke too soon (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you're
2: beginning to tire of this (laughs) from all of us here in the podcast studio thank you so much for listening join us next week for another adventure in the british countryside